You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy. Hello and welcome to episode 229 of Around the Lens. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. Joining me this week are my regular co-hosts, Travis Keyes, a freelance photographer and chairman of APA New York, based out of New York. Hello, Travis. Good morning, Dave. Uh, What's going on? Not much. Just trying to stay alive and stay healthy. I get to say good morning, but you get to say something else because time does differences. I would say good evening. Uh, So... Yep, I'll say I'll say good evening to you, and you say good morning to That's me, right. and we need we're all good who to can go. Say good afternoon, though. That's that'll complete know, the entire triad. Uh, also joining us, our regular <laughs> co-host, Miss Evelyn Hochstein, a freelance photojournalist based out of Washington D.C. and based out of a new house. Yes, good morning. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's Thank a big you. deal, especially morning, in this everybody. time of COVID. I don't know how you pulled it off. But you did it, and so great to hear that. Uh, is is this place like, you know, for for commute wise, is it closer or further away from sort of your main work area? It's about three blocks from my okay. old apartment, so perfect. <laughs> yeah, I stay. I love my neighborhood. I live oh, in Adams Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, it's a great place. So to go. A lot of great bars, nightlife, all that kind of fun stuff. So yeah. good, awesome. All right. Well, our guest yeah. this week joining us all the way from Indonesia is Miss Rosa Pangan Bien, a freelance photojournalist, again, like I said, based out of Indonesia. Hello, Rosa. How are you? Hi, I'm good. You're still struggling uh, pronunciation. Pan- Pangan Bien, Pangan Bien, right? <laughs> but it's okay. Pangan Bien. Yeah. Uh, That's give, right, give me, Travis. <laughs> good one. Give me 16 more times and I'll get it down. <laughs> All right. Well, Rosa, thank you so much for being here this week. Uh, definitely look forward to you getting your perspective on all these issues. Of course, a lot of the stuff, you know, we usually just sort of have the American perspective, but good to get the international perspective as well. So happy to have that voice and also, again, what your thoughts are. So let's just get right into uh, the different topics this week. Our first topic uh, is one that I've seen discussed a lot, and in, in, we'll talk about it in two separate parts um, and, and, you know, you've seen this, especially you, Evelyn, I'm sure, because you're living the sort of protest documentation life right now. But essentially, there was an article pushed out by Pointer talking about essentially blurring faces of work. You know, you know, we want to protect the protesters, protect the people who are out there and, you know, sort of the the, hypothe- the hypothesis or the, the crux of the article was, you know, we should blur these faces now, I think any photojournalist worth their salt would probably not do that because it's ultimately it's unethical. Um, but, you know, again, let me let me throw it to you. And of course, I always like to throw our first topic over to our guest. Uh, so, you know, Rosa, you know, talk to me a little bit about sort of your experience. Um, you know, I don't know if you have any protests going on in Indonesia or, or any sort of political strife that you've covered. Um, but have you ever dealt with any issues where, you know, the people you photographed didn't want their picture taken? And how did you get around that? Yeah, uh, actually, I have a uh, couple of times uh, covering the protests. Uh, it's also happening. It's all. It's always uh, like uh, uh, making you harder when you cover the uh, when the time is like a uh, uh, like uh, have a political uh, view 
from the protesters, like perhaps happens now in 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 uh, America, but it also happens in Indonesia, like uh, during the election okay. of our president, two thousand eighteen, I think, yeah, two thousand eighteen or two thousand uh, sorry, two thousand nineteen, and also five years before. So uh, rise. Uh, the protesters doesn't uh, uh, think that I am the part of uh, this, the other side. So, actually, I want to tell, uh, for for instance, uh, I'm covering for the uh, at that time uh, there are there is a protest from the right wing in Indonesia, which are mostly Muslim, and then and then uh, they think that all the media is uh, on the on the national nationalist wing, then uh, they are trying to, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, accusing me, accusing most most of the media people uh, who wants to cover the demonstration. It's it's kind of pretty hard because uh, it's not like, uh, and of course because they are from the right wing, uh, because they are from the Muslim Muslim uh, movements, so. They uh, they don't really like uh, for the woman who cover who cover it because I I'm not using the hijab as well. Uh -huh. Okay. So yeah. Um, Rosa, yeah. so it's quite. Let me uh, just uh, interrupt for a second. Yeah. Your microphone on your your headset is rubbing against your clothes a little bit. So just just be mindful of that if you could. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Or oh, you don't have a headset on your mic, or you do. Okay. There you go. Okay. Perfect. I have. Okay. I have. Yeah. So I mean, you've kind of got like two things oh. against you. You've got you know the fact that you're a woman, and you're also uh, you know media. So that's kind of like both in your country, in your area. You said that's kind of both of them are sort of uh, getting making your job more difficult, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And luckily, uh, luckily that we cover it uh, like uh, with another journalist as well. And I know so many partner of. Uh, other journalists that knows me well too, so it quite uh, just just keep it uh, together with with your friends, and then uh, it's just keep your eye to to the others. So if something's happened to me, I have the I have a chance to document my partner, my journalist mm -hmm. journalist partner. If something's happens to him as well, I'm gonna cover. Uh, I'm gonna uh, have. Uh, is there any? Uh, atrocities some uh, from the protester or something so we have the proof to process it in the law right. uh, in the law it's like you kind of you you're covering yeah. down for the other one producing evidence for the other one That's yeah cool. yeah somebody's got your back yes yes uh yeah. now obviously you know despite the sort of animosity people feel towards you are you you know, at any point asking for permission to shoot anyone or are you kind of taking pictures, letting things happen? And then, you know, are you getting any sort of acknowledgement that people are OK with you taking their picture? Or you just do your job and get your work and get your, your photos. So uh, just just keep your eyes on everything, actually, on the field. Uh, you know, when sometimes it's uh, going to threaten your safety or something like that. So uh, just. Uh, just think uh, as as the protester what what they are gonna what they are gonna do to you or or mm -hmm. in your position so sort of like that 
Okay, so you're not out there being like, excuse me, can I take your picture? Or at, saying after the fact, hey, I took your picture. Are you okay with that, right? You're just kind of getting the, getting the work done. No, of course, uh, of course, when I think that they are not, they are not going to allow me to shoot them. So I'm going to ask, well, the permission ask permission for the first time. Yes, yes, of course. Is that standard or is that is that like if, Indonesian rules or is that just kind of how you prefer to do things? No, no. No, you just have to see the situation first. If it's okay, then uh, you just you just uh, ask the permission. But if it's not okay uh, and the tension high, of course, you don't ask the permission when the right. tension is getting high. So okay, just, so when the lulls yeah. in the event, you tend to use that as like, hey, mind if I, I'm just shooting some pictures. You're okay with that? But when like things are getting rough and rowdy, you're like, oh, I'm just going to do my job and not ask for permission, right? Yeah, yeah, sometimes like <laughs> uh, that. And I'm sure it's, 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 you know, you've been in kind of some dangerous situations, I, I presume. Yeah, have you, gotten, yeah. have you gotten through those? Do you have any sort of body armor or any kind of uh, protective equipment? Mm, not really. Here in Indonesia, we, we kind of... Uh, kind of abandoned it's neither it's not a thing that i have to proud of but uh when we're we kind of uh like not really concerned about the safety but sometimes if the demonstration is like planned or already scheduled and already predicted that it's gonna be chaos or something sometimes sometimes you you can see that the demonstration perhaps would be gonna be a chaos or something like that but uh when that is happened uh, I I usually bring uh, some um, toothpaste mm. for the tear gas, and then uh, and then the helmet uh, bike okay. bike helmet actually. So I'm using that okay. only. Well, that's, I didn't know about the toothpaste thing. Evelyn, did you know about the toothpaste thing? <laughs> Good tip. No, I've heard <laughs> I've heard it, but I've never seen it in practice. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try that out for sure. I'll let you know. Do you like put the toothpaste <laughs> on your eyes? I it's got good for the. Sting. Or, uh, Are you everybody like under your eyes? How do you do, do the toothpaste? <laughs> Rosa, where do you put the toothpaste? Uh, under I'm, here, under okay. under okay. under your eyes. Yeah. Is it a certain type of toothpaste? It has to be like minty toothpaste or <laughs> extra strength whitening power. <laughs> can, can I mention the the bread? Uh, only if they sponsor us. Yeah, we might. Yeah. <laughs> I if I get free toothpaste. Does one work Does better than the other? Uh, actually, you you can choose the the toothpaste that more watery. It's much better than the okay. more gel one. Interesting. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> um, so you said you ask permission to take before you take people's photographs when you have the opportunity, and if they say no, you you avoid yes. taking their photograph, right? You're not going to take their picture, even if they they say no, right? Or you will. Yes. No. You'll honor. You'll honor that request. Uh, it's always depends on the situation. But sometimes they don't talk. They just uh put, put their uh some taste. Then uh, I I I've, I've already know that they don't want to uh, uh their picture is taken. Yeah. Is there a, like? Do you think that the the police or the authorities in Indonesia would use your photographs to go after the protesters? Like. Do you think there's a fear of that, perhaps? Do you think people fear that in your country? Um, 
actually there's uh, there was a case back in the uh, much much more years before like in 1998 it was just uh, long before i uh, start the journalism thing i was uh, i was still in school but back in 1998 there was a case uh, that uh, the military using uh, the photos from uh, from the newspaper to to hunt down the protester wow. that was uh, yeah that was actually when the the case is uh, we want to uh, roll down the the new order i mean uh, the regime the regime mm -hmm. wow when the yeah when the students want to take down the regime the suharto's regime that very uh, military and so uh, they use they use the photographs from the journalists okay wow well, you know, what can you do, right? I mean, you're trying out there, do your job, and ultimately if people are going to use it in a different way that, you know, you don't um, plan for, that's, you know, that's not under your control. Uh, let me throw it over to you, Evelyn. You've been kind of covering, obviously, the Black Lives Matter protests here for the last probably more than a week or so, like 10 days. I don't know if it's been so long now, almost two weeks, I think. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your experiences the last few days, kind of a compare and contrast how it was when it started to now and then you know, talk to us about your sort of you know how do you approach protesters and what kind of experiences have you gotten in reaction to your taking their picture sure um i've had a really positive um experience sometimes in recent years i'll say there's a certain anti-media sentiment that i felt in parts of the united states are covering certain events i've not felt that amongst the crowd here at all. I think people want media attention. And I'm, I, I wanna, and it's been very, it's been extremely peaceful the past. I haven't covered the last two days of protests because I've been um, moving, but um, I've been you know, following the pictures and everything's been extremely protest peaceful. And it's been peaceful for probably since, you know, after the first couple nights in Washington DC. And it's been a, a really beautiful expression of um, desire for change and, and and, and people out on the streets and using their First Amendment rights and trying to send a message to um, authorities on you know all different levels. And I just want to say I'm completely against, in principle, the concept of blurring out people's faces. I just want to say that so strongly. Like this is history yeah. in the making. We are, but I'm going to speak on behalf of the United States because I can I understand that in other countries that the government <clears throat> can you down and kill you. And I have worked all over the world and in places where there are dictatorships. So if we start worrying about that in the United States, and I think that the word that you used it today, Dave, was to protect people. As far as I know, we are still in the United States and peaceful protest should be, that's part of our first yeah, amendment. Absolutely. I mean, that is a protected right that is completely American. And I actually have like goosebumps even yeah. thinking about this concept. What are we protecting if people are out peacefully protesting or speaking out against our government there's absolutely mm -hmm. nothing to fear now there's a difference yeah, if you're absolutely. out looting and your you know, rocket stores are burning something you're doing something illegal no matter what you believe if you believe it to be fair right just and you know i think that's on you if you want to cover your face or not cover your face um and because of coronavirus, people, you know, some states do not allow face coverings at protests. And that's that's a historical remnant from the Ku Klux Klan. So when I've gone and covered a lot of white supremacist events, people are not allowed to wear a face mask. But now because of COVID, they can. But 
you know, if you're out on the street and you're going to throw a rock into a store window and you're doing that in public, you know, you're not sneaking around the back trying to break in. You're doing it for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I, it's not my job, I don't think, to protect you. Now, you may not want your photograph taken and you may threaten people are less excited about having their photo taken. And, I, you know, like when I'm covered in teeth and things like that, they don't want their photos taken and they usually wear masks pre-COVID, post-COVID, and they let it be known. And, and it would probably put me in danger for a photo that might not really be worth it. Mm -hmm. um, so in those, but I, I just want to make a pretty firm stand that I, I am thoroughly against this concept. And when you think about history and what you're seeing and people out marching and the faces of all Americans, all colors, all ages, all everyone united, can you imagine like looking back on uh, you know, like the March on Washington with Martin Luther King and people's faces being blurred out or this or to see fathers and holding their, you know, black men holding their young sons, which I, I found to be really powerful images that I've made. I, I, I'm just completely against it. However, um, I lived in Africa. I lived in some really, I mean, I lived in Kenya, um, Africa's a big continent, but I worked in, I covered a lot of elections and things like that in, in all over the continent of Africa in different countries. And I could see that my taking a photo of somebody protesting the government could be dangerous. And in that case, I think you have to use your judgment. I think a lot of people in those cases might say, you know, I'm out, I've got to ch make change, you know, there may be, feel, have a revolutionary sentiment, whatever. Um, and if they want to be photographed, that's fine. But I think you have to weigh the risks. But in the United States, I, I don't really feel comfortable even going down that path. It, it really concerns me. Now, there's another thing about personal preference. People have said to me, don't show my face. Very rarely. I'd say maybe once out of like 15 days and thousands and thousands of protesters. Right. There are people out there. I don't need to focus on somebody that doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, if I felt I needed to document what they were doing, perhaps I would say, look, you're out in public. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to accept that fact that you you have the right you know it's my right to take your photo but for the most part it's like okay i'll move on to the next person with the sign um and those are the experiences that i've had and i'd love to hear you know you guys thoughts on that but yeah it just gives me like i want to know how you really feel about it though really i mean i know it's <laughs> don't hold back so, but we, you know, it's it's really kind of scary what's happening. We censor everything. Yeah. I mean, there's so much controversy now. If people don't like what people report, you know, it's like, or you share someone's opinion that it's un unliked. We're getting to a point here where people are calling out their colleagues, or people don't like what you say, and they label you as X, Y, or Z. Or it's, I think, you know, we're, we have to sort of check ourselves here in the United States, because we have a lot of freedoms that maybe Rosa doesn't have in Indonesia, or we shouldn't be facing the threats that we're facing. And ideas, whether you like them or not, should be freely expressed. And I, I think we're, you know, we're on like, shaky water. So like, I mean, this is shaky ground. This is even scary to think about the idea of blurring out people's faces. We have to protect these democracies that we have. Yeah, no, 100%. And when I saw the article, you know, it just floored me that people are even <coughs> thinking that blurring faces is a concept. And, and really the organizations pushing for this, you know, sort of request to blur faces are not photojournalism organizations. They're not news organizations. These are activist organizations. So I think any photojournalist who would even consider you know, blurring faces is no longer a photojournalist in any sense. They are now an activist photographer, if that. And so we can't be, you know, taken down this path, down this road, especially when, you know, the people are doing, like you said, it's a First Amendment right. You Protest is not illegal. 
And if you felt so strongly that you don't want your face being shown at a protest, well, don't go to a protest because you shouldn't be worrying about the photojournalist with their camera trying to you know, get good shots of stuff. You should be worried about the 1,600 different uh, CCTV cameras surrounding you or the body cameras from police officers. Those are the cameras you should be worrying about that don't and they don't. You know, there is no request to have them not take your photograph. So, no, if you're out there, you're protesting. Yeah, by all means. Now, if you're breaking the law, that's a different story. But again, you know. For journalists, we're gonna we're gonna cover what we want to cover, and I think you know even the people who are choosing to be sort of you know practice civil disobedience, which is a form of protest, you know, and, and are going for those engagements, are staying past curfew, are choosing to you know you know instigate confrontations, you know they want their photograph taken just as much as any other protester because you know, as we've seen and it's been demonstrated hundreds of times, unfortunately in the media, there's just many many instances of police brutality, and we've seen that by people who are you know, choosing to take a stand in that regard. So it all has a place in history, and we as photojournalists, visual journalists, need to be out there covering. So absolutely 100% agree with you, Evelyn. So good points all around. Uh, now, Travis, you work mostly with commercial stuff, but, I mean, you know, when you're not doing your commercial work where people are hiring you, I mean, how do you handle sort of consent in general? I mean, uh, I, so much has been covered here, and I, um, I am the first one also to agree with everything Evelyn says. Uh, it's, uh, and I brought up on past episodes. Uh, I think the people that are t- truly asking for uh, the blurred photos um, are not uh, legit people. Uh, you, you, you find, uh, you know, people trying to incite and uh, have ulterior motives, and uh, it's 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 coming from that end, and uh, it's being very to. Uh, divide and incite people. Uh, for me, when I'm working with people, obviously I do a lot of uh, uh, commercial and, and, and model and portrait work, so uh, we always get uh, consent and, uh, you know, um, uh, have people uh, sign. Uh, well, if that'd be funny if the model was but, like, you uh, know what, I don't consent to my image being out there. Blur my face, please. Like, uh... It's, it's, no, it's, it's, you, you, you photographers have had that really? issue that uh, the model? didn't, didn't ask her. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Uh, and it does happen. Um, especially on test shoots and stuff like that, and they don't consent right. to it. But uh, that's why you kind of you have to get those model releases beforehand, yeah. uh, and that's very important. But uh, when I'm shooting uh, to get uh, moments, it, it really depends on the moment. If it's if it's a newsworthy thing and something you know a po- pr- protest or something that uh, an event or something like that, I'm not going. Hey, uh, can I get your? No, I'm taking the shot, yeah. and it's 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 about capturing the moment and stuff like that. Because once you, so what's really someone engages with you it changes that dynamic immediately so you, you kind of have to get that shot before you you engage with yeah. them uh, otherwise it's uh as soon as people notice cameras uh it changes everything and, and you know from that from when i'm trying to capture i'm very you know and if i'm covering events you know i, I will always try for the candid shot first and then once i'm noticed then it's a different shot and i go for a different type of shot yeah. but uh yeah if i can if i if they don't realize the camera's there i know i'm going to get something uh, that's authentic and real and i look for those candid moments first before i ever go for you know anything else have you ever dealt with somebody who didn't want their photograph taken or asked you to maybe delete their stuff oh, absolutely after the absolutely i i almost i was in africa and i was going for a moment and the guy kind of chased me with a rock and threatened to you know really kind of bash oh me gosh. in and uh yeah it was a very very tense moment that it had to be diffused yeah. and uh you know so um yeah no i've had i've had some very tense movies and and i've shot antifa you know and, and gone out and sh- shot with them and it was very you know it was a working of finessing because they don't want their pictures taken and, and something that militant there's a reason why they don't want their you know pictures taken because they're usually not up to very right. good but uh or, or or you know it's this whole mindset but uh you know shooting from the hip and learning how to shoot uh, around them and uh and and then entrusting some that you can get the shots it's a 
whole finesse thing you have to it's very kind of a touch and go and can be uh and that that's that, that was definitely more of the tense you know because you're, you're shooting people that don't want to get shot and then yeah. you have the police shooting you know pepper spray bullets and t- tear gas at you so you have to be kind of aware of all things at the same time and it's uh it's a very adrenaline adrenaline filled moment you said you were shooting antifa was that something like you prearranged and you were working with them and you not working with them but you i mean was like like a, a thing or was that just happenstance no no, I, I found myself, I was out uh, with Sony, uh, and I was out there in Bend, Oregon for uh, three or four days, and then uh, my I was uh, back in Portland and flying out that day, and some of the big protests in, uh, in, in Portland uh, were happening, and I see the helicopters on the news and all this stuff going on, and, and uh, just, just kind of craziness on the news, and I'm like, wow, I wonder where that is, and I kind of just look from my hotel uh, to, the, to a map to where it was, I'm like, oh, it's three blocks from where I'm, I'm going to go shoot this, and went out and, and and shot it and got some incredible shots uh but uh you know I, it's not the first time i've shot some protests but uh it was it was a little different uh i'd never shot antifa yeah. before yeah. or the proud proud boys were out oh, there too wow. so you just happened upon them basically right it wasn't it wasn't a prearranged thing exactly okay. cool cool um you know i i had a, a similar experience i actually is to you in africa when i was in jamaica actually i photographed i was doing some video and i videotaped a person walking across the street and he got very agitated about me videotaping him so i'm just like basically i just ignored him and, and kind of went away uh but again it's it's a scary situation especially when you're a different country you don't have necessarily the protections or the sort of the laws backing you up as much as you'd like yeah. um but you know getting back to kind of covering people who are you know obviously don't want their picture taken lawbreakers and whatnot uh you know what has all been your experience kind of covering those people and you know if you did capture people breaking the law breaking you know looting rioting whatever you know what do you do with that imagery are you still publishing that are you maybe holding it back are you submitting it to the authorities what are you doing with that work uh i'll throw it over to you first rosa Pardon? Have you ever captured anybody doing any law breaking? And if you so, what did you do with that imagery? Did you did you publish it? Did you hold it back? You know, knowing that you know maybe people would try and find you because you captured their their image. You know, your name is associated with the the, the work. You know, kind of what what did you do? Did you, have you ever captured anyone actually break in the law? You know, act of breaking the law. Breaking the law. Uh, I mean, uh, I've actually uh, have shoot uh, my my journalist friend uh, while while we covered uh, an accident uh, plane 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 crash from the uh, Indonesian military military so the 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 plane is owned by Indonesian military and then it it crashed down so we covered the the crash uh, the crash plane then uh, we got chased by the mm-hmm. military by the army, we got chased because covering the uh, the crash, and then uh, one of my friend uh, tried to push, uh, get closer to the to the to the plane, yeah. uh, to the to, to the place, and then and then uh, he get caught by the military, and I I got the picture of uh, the military beaten my friend, so uh, it's also got used uh, as a proof when we try to sue the military to. Uh, it's it's uh, breaking the law as well, right? Right. Well, I mean, I'm talking about like you capturing something of someone else breaking the law. Uh, like, sort of, for instance, in Indonesia, like I, say say you were covering a yeah. protest and you had some anarchists who were breaking mm-hmm. windows and 
you know, starting fires or whatever. I mean, what would you do with that imagery? Do you do you, do you still publish that? Do you perhaps help the authorities give it to the authorities? Yeah, I mean, course. what do you do, or is it just? No, 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 no. Uh, give the authorities is not a, a good uh, sample. I think uh, we we still publish it because, I mean, uh, expressing uh, expressing uh, your your opinion and then uh, doing the demonstration and protest is uh, your right. But uh, violence and breaking the public like uh, like they did in the last year when I cover it, and then uh, I still I still take uh, take it. As should and, and still publish it because it's like a evidence that it's not right uh, for the protesters for the protesters as well to uh, to do the violence in the public uh, public area. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Evelyn. How about you? And you know, what's what's your take on sort of when you do cover? I mean, obviously it's been peaceful recently, but you know, in this protest or past protests. So have you ever been in the kind of the middle of it and you captured sort of the actual uh, act of breaking law? Yeah, I definitely photographed looting. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, give anyone my material ever, probably even if, like, subpoenaed. There's always, like, this, hard, you know, journalists never sort of reveal or give up their right. sources or things like that. So I guess the same goes with photos. Um, you know, I'm not the judge here. So, like, a lot of the things I was shooting were silhouettes. It was dark. You know, buildings were lit and people were, you know, throwing, breaking windows. So I wasn't going out of my way to identify anyone um i wasn't trying to self-censor either but it was more like i wanted to document what was happening rather than be a person to provide evidence um so i'm shooting the scene and i, I wouldn't say that the you know there's a risk i'm not there's a risk that someone might be identified in my images if they're not wearing a mask but I, at the time i think i'm just focused on trying to capture the scene and not really think about my role is in, in, in the legal side of it and what the police may or may not do in the future or, um, you know, the courts and um, things like that. So um, I'm not like taking close ups of people's faces and saying, here, you know, here's some evidence. I'm just documenting the scene. And fortunately, it's usually really dark. So um, those people, you know, I don't need to do the work for the police, I guess. But at the same time, I'm trying to say I'm not necessarily self-censoring either and saying I'm only going to photograph people from the back. I'm just um, going to document and whatever sort of comes comes you know out of it. But you know, I'm not I'm not a jury. I'm not the police. I don't have all the evidence. I, I you know, so it's like I'm just capturing what the immediate moment, I suppose. Yeah, I think, you know, in the past, I might have been more inclined to, you know, not necessarily help the police, but, you know, again, you know, want to share imagery of, of necessarily lawbreaking. But uh, with this most recent, you know, a series of protests and, and the blatant attacks towards journalists doing their job, it's like, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to help out the police. I'm not going to help out the protesters. I'm not going to help out either side. I'm not going to help them, but I'm you know I'm not going to necessarily help either side. I'm going to publish the imagery of what I see out there and people can do with it what they want to do with it. But, you know, again, I, I, you know, I'm not sending it to NYPD.gov and letting them, hey, here, here's some evidence for you. Like, you know, you can go on to the any sort of public you know, facing platform. The imagery goes and you can do what you want with that. Uh, but, you know, what I try and do is I'll just kind of say, hey, can you stand next to this ruler by the wall here? Can I just, you know, I just put the flash anyways. 
You know, I think that's generally our role is just to be observers yeah. and 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 stay out of it. I mean, but you know, like anything, it's any any situation, it's all fluid. Like, what if you saw some murder happening? You know, you can't. I can't really speak in like a hundred percent generalities about this, but it, but as a rule of thumb, you know, I think there there are specific cases, but something like this, yeah. you know, I'm just there to be in and not not be the the. Uh, criminal justice system. Well, it's interesting you mentioned murder because, of course, you know, we had the Live PD incident, you know, that Live PD and cops have both been sort of taken off the air and Live PD actually captured a, you know, a death of uh, someone that the police were pulling over. And, you know, I don't know if you read the story about that, but essentially they destroyed the footage because the people who were actually doing the investigation didn't subpoena it from them. And their um, stance on sort of being independent, you know, visual journalists covering the police was, you know, they didn't they didn't store their footage to give to the police because they didn't want to be seen as an arm of the police department. You know, that wasn't their role. Their role was to capture and, and tell their story that they want to tell. And so I thought that was an interesting perspective that I think, you know, we as photo journalists, visual journalists, especially, you know, them, those of us who want to remain independent as possible. Yeah, that's the way you do it. You're not an arm of the police department. You don't work for the police department. You work for yourself or the publication that you're working for. So you have to be very careful about, you know, the line you cross in terms of what you give to who, who you give it to. But uh, right. they wouldn't see that live PD story about the. No, but it sounds really interesting. It sounds, you know, that's a that's a very tricky call. You know, yeah. you witness a murder, like you know, I don't know. There, there are going to be a lot of cases, and this is a big ethical discussion. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they kept the but, footage for an extra few months because of the nature of it, but you know, they said at the end of the day, it was never asked for, so they never provided it. I, I wish they hadn't destroyed it because I think you know that's it's important to have that type of stuff. But you know, ultimately, I'm not their producer. I'm not Annie. Um, but, you know, getting to our second topic this evening, I want to kind of talk about being attacked as a photojournalist. Um, you know, let's go back to you, Rosa. You said, obviously, you know, you face uh, a lot of sort of tension from, you know, those in the Muslim community and, and also, you know, your, your the fact that you're female. You know, have you ever been attacked by either protesters or by perhaps the police while you're out doing your work? Yeah, of course. Uh, the... Actually, here in Indonesia, the democracy is not like in the USA. I mean, uh, you can you can use the reason when someone doesn't want to be taken, uh, doesn't want their their face to be taken. You you can you can say it's a public public mm-hmm. area, but uh, no, it's not. Uh, we cannot use that reason uh, here because not so many people understand about the the rights of journalists and the. Uh, it's just like, like I always said before. It's always depends on the situation on the field. So, uh, if something's so, you just read the moment and this is the situation. And then, uh, if you get attacked, then I'm trying to save my life as good as I can, as best as I can. So, I cannot uh, give any uh, good advice as uh, so more. The more you take the pictures of the protests and and demonstration and like things things like that here in Indonesia, I don't have uh, any experience in the in the abroad. 
So uh, you can see how far this the situation can go. So it's just uh, by by but just by the experience. Yeah, Travis, you probably haven't been attacked too many times by your models that you've uh, photographed. But you know, as the chairman of the APA, do you have any recommendations, or do you, as as an organization head, you know, push out guidance, or in in a sense, you know, like work to help provide protections for your members. You know, like for instance, like, you know, the NPPA has their lawyer who who sends out an email or a, a letter to the NYPD and say, hey, the way you've been treating, you know, journalists is unfair, First Amendment protections and stuff like that. Does the APA do anything similar to that? Or is it, you know, is your organization, you know, less photojournalist focused and perhaps there isn't as much of a need for that? Uh, and you're muted, Travis. I'm back. You go, yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, every once in a while I have to make a cough, so I don't want well, to yeah, do that smart. on the thing. Uh, so um, APA is not made up of journalists. Right. Uh, we're mainly commercial and editorial and, and uh, other photographers. So uh, that has not been a focus of ours. Uh, and if it was, I would uh, uh, bow down to you know our friends over at some of the other agencies and, and talk to them. And we're certainly friends with them and, and, and deal with them um, on issues like that. And we do have some lawyers that we talk to and, uh, and have a, a bunch of resources as an organization to point people in the right direction. But, um, no, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, it's, uh, as a, a journalist, it's, it's a different, uh, kind of ball game and, uh, and, um, and a different set of rules to play by. Travis, has there ever been any, any situation or any, uh, instance where AP as an organization had to advocate for photographers in general for any, any sort of aspect or issue that you're aware of? Oh, I mean, we constantly advocate. We, we were an advocacy group, so we, we go after copyrights and uh, rights for photographers, and 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 and, uh, and pay and and and, uh, and all kinds of uh, uh, different stuff. So we we're fighting for the Case Act. We're lobbying uh, for all kinds of different stuff currently uh, in copyright and uh, and uh, equal pay and. Uh, 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 you know, we we look go into uh, the rights of uh, female photographers and and equal pay, and, uh, and we do a whole bunch of stuff like uh, uh, her perspective and bring awareness to many many different issues. So we're we're constantly always working on those different issues. Yeah, so that's great. What what is the Case Act, by the way? Case Act is uh, basically uh, if you are, uh, it's in a way to kind of go into small claims court and make things without uh, having to. Um, uh, file a huge case yeah. so that you can protect yourself and, and, and go after things on a smaller scale to, to really uh, protect yourself. Right. Instead of going into a multi-year, multi-million dollar copyright infringement suit, you're just kind of solving things at yeah. the lowest possible level. Uh, any movement on that? Because that's obviously something that affects all of us. Uh, I, hopefully. Uh, everything is still kind of slow, and especially you know now that uh, you know House and Senate has kind of gone into these uh, other issues and not dealing with stuff the votes get uh, sometimes uh, delayed and uh, you know so it's it's a slow process but there's been movement uh, especially on the copyright and case act but uh, it has passed some and hopefully it goes further and further and, and gets passed uh, all the way but uh, you just never know um, when it, where it's going to get held up or who might hold it up yeah absolutely uh, Evelyn can you tell us a little bit about some of like, your experiences sort of you know in situations where you may have been put in danger and you know you know, obviously, with all the stuff that's been happening recently, what what do you what can we as uh, photojournalists do about you know what's going on and how how folks are attacking the First Amendment? Yeah, that's uh, 
It's broad. I mean, I haven't personally really felt um, attacked, but I've seen, you know, all of these journalists who've been injured and shot at with, you know, pepper spray. And I think what's, um, I think going back to the blurring of faces, I think a lot of people don't really even understand free speech or the First Amendment. Like, you know, when I do occasionally run into somebody at a protest saying, like, don't take my picture, it's, or like sort of anger or mistrust of the media, I think it's like, a, the current political climate that we live in and how the media has been like skewed to be like this enemy of the people. And I think like education is an important part of that. Like people really understanding the value of the free press, the state, what, how important it is and like why it is so important. And maybe that message is being lost. Um, but back to attacks um, also, I, you know, it, it sort of just goes hand in hand. Um, and, you know, I, combating it is obviously important and having organizations like MPPA or, you know, whoever to, to back you and, and call this out and make it known. And it, it just goes hand in hand with like, you know, you have to protect the media or committee to pick, protect journalists, but protecting the media and the importance of it and like understanding why this is so important, you know, historically. Um, so I don't know if I law, if I answered your question, but it's just sort of a broader take. But ask me again, like, did I miss something, Dave? No, I mean, you know, again, you know, I was just trying to think, like, what can we as the the working photojournalist, you know, do essentially to advocate on our own behalf? You know, are you know, are we going to have to create a protest of our own to protest the rights of photojournalists? And then who would cover that? You know, um, we may have actually. I mean, that's kind of a scary thing. Like, again, I think it's like, let's all speak about it. Let's, you know, if someone in the, an approach that says, hey, don't take my picture, and maybe you have time to engage and just ex not, don't take their picture, but maybe explain what you're doing or why you're doing it and try to like assuage people's fears or um, let them understand, you know, like the meaning of the free press and how the images are going to be used and, and just kind of um, just you know, just like be open-minded, you know, illuminate the, the issues, explain the issues. I think those are all good advocacy tools and we have to all keep being advocates. We're being advocates right now. Yeah. Travis is being an advocate, NPPA is being an advocate, WPOW, Women Photojournalists of Washington, like we're all being advocates and speaking out about these things. So that's what we have to keep doing. That's interesting you explain, you know, we should explain ourselves to the folks we're, we're photographing, and that's a great idea when they want to listen. A friend of mine uh, who actually lives in Seattle and was covering the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, uh, he was in there trying to you know, just document what was going on, and he had people telling him to quit photographing them or quit photographing the event. And he, you know, explained to them, hey, I guess, you know, I, I know you're this autonomous zone, but you're still in America. It's still a free country. And, you know, I'm still I still have the First Amendment. And basically he, he wasn't physically attacked, but he was continuously barraged by people telling him to stop photographing and essentially kicked out of the Chaz. So, you know, sometimes you, you get, you know, the people on your side and sometimes you don't. And it's interesting to have the people who are advocating for their ability to practice their right to speech, you know, against the people who are trying to also do their right to free speech. It's you know, I've seen it commented on. You're getting it from both ends, so to speak. You know, the police are sort of, you know, the law enforcement are attacking you and you're being attacked by the protesters as well. It's, it's not a fun place to be in. You know, have you ever you know been out there and you're getting, you know, you're you're talking about on Travis's show about how you've got pepper spray powder on your you know outfit or you know your your 
camera gear is messed up because it's been shot at, you know, what's kind of driving you to go back out there and put sort of yourself on the line? Is it just the, the nature of the historical event that has to be covered or you know, is there some other driving force? That's that's the biggest driving force. You know, this is what I do. I take pictures of history as it unfolds. These are hugely important times. I mean, we're really at a at a crux, you know, in the United States, and 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 our our racial tensions and our history are just, you know, it's constantly been there. It hasn't gone away. Things have improved, but you know, change is. People are hungry for change, and they're outraged. And I mean, how can I not be a part of that? So. You know, so far they're not live bullets. Obviously, you know, if you get shot with one of these pepper pellets in the eye, that's really dangerous. So, I mean, I just try to protect myself as best I can. But it'd be pretty hard to, you know, keep me from covering something like this. Um, as long as I felt like my safety was, you know, I was managing the risks. And um, but what I've seen it happen to other journalists, like the Australian journalist who got you know, punched in the face or other journalists who've been like shot on live TV with like tear gas in a like really close and dangerous where you really could be injured. Those really make you think about your safety, question your safety. And I just can only say to other journalists, like be aware, wear protective gear, you know, don't picture because you're hurt, injured so badly or you're killed, then you're not doing good for anybody. So you have to really balance the risks. It's not worth, you know, hurting or getting yourself injured. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just have to figure out what the line is and I'm sure Rosa faces stuff like that in Indonesia. Like you, you figure out what the balance is and what you can do at, at, while protecting yourself at the same time. It's important. Yeah. And the question for either you or Rosa or both is that, you know, you know, speaking of the line, has there been a point when you're covering a protest or, event where it's just getting a bit too dangerous for your personal comfort level and you get out of there. We'll start with you, Rosa. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, especially I'm a freelance now. Before when I was a staff journalist, uh, so I'm, I'm still thinking that there is an office uh, that would guarantee me in the healthy and, uh, and, and the hospital and everything's like that. So now here uh, I'm a freelance. Uh, I still, it's, uh, the hardest part is being a photojournalist is also a patient that we want to uh, make the pictures of the history and sometimes when when the thing is very big so you just get out without assignment or something you just get out and uh, try to capture those moments so uh, when everything's getting hit and then I got uh, oh this is uh, and I feel that this is something's gonna happen uh, that and make me um, make my safety is going to be very da in danger. So I stop and I, I just run. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Just yeah. think uh, you have to you have to know uh, where is. Evelyn, any instances where you just got too hairy out there? Had to have amps gray? Pardon? Yeah, I mean, in my past, um, <laughs> covering the second, I mean, we didn't know it was the start of the second intifada at the time when I was based in Jerusalem, but I was driving into a protest. I was freelancing for Reuters and our car got attacked by a mob and the roof of the car caved in and all the windows were smashed. And basically, I mean, we're lucky we all sort of got out of that situation. Um, but yeah, but that hasn't happened to me in about 20 years. So that's, I haven't been in that dangerous of a situation. Good. Good. Yeah. 
So don't drive into an angry mob. That's the that's ah, the lesson. I was you know, good idea. Let me write that down. Don't drive yeah. into angry angry <laughs> mob. But oh, but mobs that aren't angry are fine. Non angry mobs. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Right. It just depends. You know. So assess the situation in advance. But no, I mean here, you know, I run, look. I don't. When the police are saying move and they're wearing their Ninja Turtle outfits and they've got <laughs> batons and shields and they're moving protesters, if I don't move, I'm going to be yeah. hurt, you know, so I yeah. move the crowd, you know, and if I don't move, they're probably going to hit me or tear gas me. And so you have to sort of be in the mix, but also, you know, being a journalist when they're clearing a public area, it doesn't, it doesn't much matter. So get out of the way. Let me throw this at you. You know, I saw a. Uh during the early periods of the protests, when they were trying to enforce the first the curfew, I saw a live stream from one of the cities, and you had the oncoming police officers and the you know the riot gear folks with the shields and everything approaching the crowds of people who were not leaving, who were not you know dispersing after curfew, and you know there were there were kind of some photographers behind the police, there were some photographers who were with the sort of crowd, and some photographers who were like in line with the police as they're going. Is that ever something where like you like consider where you're going to be in that group? Do you ever put yourself on the police side of the coverage of it? Or are you always sort of on the other side or where do you kind of put yourself in that situation? Um, like in DC, you cannot be behind, like if they're moving, you have to be on the side of the protesters. Okay. You can be right up close to the police right. and trying to get the two in the frame. Yeah. But when they move, you yeah. move. So trying to like stay off the side or be like, I'm media. If they don't want you in the area, you have to move. So you're, you're always going to be, you're never going to be on the backside of the police. Okay. Trav, in my experience. Trav, any danger in your line of work? I mean, I, I've, I haven't covered the same thing as certainly Evelyn or, or, or Rosa have. Uh, so um, uh, I, I've been in some dangerous situations, but uh, not nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah, never, never been in a dangerous situation myself. I mean, I, I bet I was in Iraq. You know, I guess that's a, a dangerous situation just because you're in that country. But you know, for the most part in America, covering protests, never. I've never been in a riot though. I've never been at the point where you know it's getting crazy and hairy. It's always been pretty much peaceful protests in, in my line of work. So, um, thankfully, uh, but. You know, things could get hairier here. I don't I don't see the protests, you know, subsiding anytime soon, especially now, most recently uh, with the, the recent death of Rayshard Brooks. And of course, that has been all over the news, um, of course, because his, his death was covered by like 15 different camera angles, you know. So, uh, again, it's kind of the prevalence and, you know, of, of imagery and, and camera recording devices in our, our world that is really you know, making all these sort of injustices come to the forefront. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that in terms of international terms. So, of course, we had another guest planned for tonight who was going to kind of give us sort of the African perspective, at least from Uganda. Um, but, you know, with, with you, Rosa, from Indonesia, you know, just in general, like what is sort of the what have you seen? Is there been any sort of Black Lives Matter or similar sort of injustice protests going on in, in Indonesia? Or is it sort of something that you are, you know, as a, as a you know, you haven't seen too much activity Pardon. around? David, you're freezing. Pardon, what is the question? 
crazy. Have you seen any Black Lives Matters or, or any similar style uh, protests um, in Indonesia? Okay. So actually the Black, Life, uh, Black Lives Matters is also arousing the like a uh, movement here in Indonesia. We have uh, Papua, if you, if you ever heard about it. We have Papua. Uh, it's uh, in the eastern part of Indonesia. It arousing also the the movements uh, from the Papuan Papuan uh, voices. So, I mean, uh, the movements is not only happens in uh, in uh, USA actually, but also uh, triggering the movements in uh, in the area like like Indonesia as well. So it's been a catalyst for other groups to kind of rise up and fight yes. for their rights. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I've seen that a lot. And, you know, it's, it's it, it interesting to see how global, you know, these protests are like in London and sort of you know other parts of the world. You know, even in, you know, here in Korea, there's been, you know, representation in terms of protests, you know, in support of uh, the movement and the cause. So it's it's been pretty interesting to to see that. Um. You know, besides uh, obviously the the George Floyd protests, has there any been any other you know recent protests you you've covered? Um, you mentioned some of the the stuff you were doing earlier um, with regard to I believe the election or with regard to the leadership of the country, right? Did you? Is, You're freezing, am I freezing again, for everybody David. else, or is it just? Yeah. No. No, I, I got you. Fine. Still, pardon for what the election the, or something you were like doing that. Some other coverage of other types of protests in your area. Uh, uh-huh. but like, what are you covering besides the protests? What What are some of the the stories you're covering? You know, you besides that. Actually, I'm not really covering the pro. I, I am now freelancing and. Uh, not all the media wants the hard news again, so I'm going to the issues is go, uh, that is uh, deeper. I mean, like uh, like uh, more to uh, still 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 in the human right area, and then uh, social change mostly, and also if there's something uh, if there's a disaster happens in Indonesia, I'm still taking the assignment for the for covering the breaking news as well. But for the protest, uh, but the protest and the demonstration as well, uh, I'm not really covering it anymore. Yeah, moved on to uh, other topics and whatnot. Okay, great, great. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, make sure to keep yourself safe when you do go out there, and if you have the opportunity, use someone else's gear to cover it. You know, maybe someone like Sony could send you some equipment, and you could use that equipment to cover a protest, right, Evelyn? <laughs> Yep, exactly. I know. It was, I, it's things are very peaceful now, so it's good timing. But I'm going to try out some Sony, Sony gear, the yeah A9, and see how that goes. Sorry, guys. Uh, are you looking? Are you looking forward to that? Or do you think like Sony is going to be? I mean, you haven't actually had a chance to use the gear, but are you are you considering potentially switching? I'm definitely considering um, switching to mirrorless. I've been thinking about it for a while. I want the silence. Um, basically, I want the silence. Um, I'd like to lighten my gear as well. Um, you know, I've talked about it, like I'm not such a techie. I love the cameras I shoot with, but um, I think there are a lot of there's some advantages. Definitely faster, um, more frames per second, 
the gear that I would have and maybe a little bit faster autofocus. So I'll let you know. I'm, I'm going to try them out this week. So I, next week That's I can great. report yeah, back. I definitely look to uh, hear about that. If, if, you, the, if the camera gear does get damaged while you're covering a protest, are you liable for that? Probably. I don't know. I didn't like sign anything. They just sent it to me. So I don't let's hope that doesn't happen. I'll be extra. Kick gloves. Kick yeah. gloves. Yeah. I'm just a photojournalist. Yeah. What are they going to do? I don't well, know. I, I'm uh, very eager to try out the Canon EOS R5 whenever that's uh, released. I'm, I'm getting more and more in my head thinking I'll probably will switch to that from the Panasonic's. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm definitely considering just getting rid of all my Panasonic gear and go straight back to Canon. I would love to try that, especially now that I'm trying the Sony. So, I mean, since I already am a Canon shooter. Sorry, Travis. But it would, I don't know when it's, when, how to get my hands on one. Because they're not out there yet. <laughs> right. So, so, so you can't. <laughs> do we even know like how far away is the release? I have heard rumors like of no, July there's, there's for no. the R5, but who knows? That's rumor and speculation. Oh, well, that's not Yeah. That's that's okay. just a rumor. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Confirmed. Rumor. July. Uh, what are you shooting with over there, Rosa? What's your camera choice? Uh, Nikon. Oh, okay. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. <laughs> What's what with Nikon specifically? Uh, for now, uh, I'm using the seventy uh seven five uh seven fifty. Okay. Great, great. Yeah, it's good in video and uh, also pictures yeah. as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Travis, any new camera gear in your world? Yeah. Yes, I actually got the brand new uh, Sony. Uh, I think they call it the VZ. Uh, it's a uh, basically nice. sort of a blogger camera. It's the first kind of Sony with uh, a nice turnaround, touchable display, nice. full out. So this is a really great. Uh, it's built on the the uh, the RX100 uh, kind of body and uh, sensor, and uh, but it's uh, video centric and uh, has new microphone and and uh, proprietary hot shoe and stuff like that. So it's it's actually pretty pretty impressive little oh, piece great. of equipment. Is that Mark Mark Seven? No, this is the the ZV uh, one, which is uh, oh, it's uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's an impressive so it's like little a new camera, class of cameras? especially to add to the kit. Yeah, it's it's sort of uh, it, so the Pocket uh, RX100, which is an incredible camera. They've now kind of redesigned this one to be more of a video uh, blogger. Uh, um, uh, video camera so I literally I can kind of go out and shoot um, immediately with this and it has its own Bluetooth little handset that kind of can connect to it so I can record and zoom uh, it has a, an amazing microphone now dedicated uh, uh, record buttons uh, basically you can also do it has a, a, a kind of bokeh blur feature where I can just press a button and it'll kind of blur the background and and do that it has a product kind of shoot mode where if I uh, if I was doing a say a product review and I'm talking and I hold up the product in front of me it'll instantly wow. zoom to that product and then I move my hand it'll instantly zoom back to me so the focusing on it is quite quite good and it's it's a great little uh, a camera that's this small and, and shoots 4k and uh, that you can do this much and has a, a really kind of much better built-in mic to it is nice. uh, impressive Have you actually had the chance to you know do some footage with it and get a good feel for it i just started it just was released it was just released a couple of days ago um i got it the first day it was released so i've started to play with it and uh and, and we'll dive more I'll and more into it your full review on aroundthelens.com absolutely absolutely you want to hear what travis thinks 
All right. Great. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's show. Um, Rosa, where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, at, at my website, of course, www.rosapangabian.com. Great, great. Well, yeah, sure yeah. you find that link in the show notes. So everybody go, <laughs> uh, go check out uh, Rosa's awesome work. And you're also on Instagram, right? And I, Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, that's awesome. But so. I don't really put my works on the Instagram. Oh, okay. I just, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of one of those things you signed up for because you had to because you're a photographer, but you're not like... You're not fishing for them likes? No, I don't really like the platform, actually. But I'm starting uh, to post the outtakes only on the Instagram. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll talk to Travis. He'll get you hooked up on social media. <laughs> Turn you on back to it. Uh, Evelyn, what's going on in your world? Anything interesting coming up this week? Or are you going to be mostly just unpacking? Yeah, unpacking, no. I think I'll get back into the swing of the protest. I have a... Um, uh, a couple other assignments I'm working on that are not protest related, but um, I know. Um, are they COVID yeah. related? Because it's like protests or COVID. That's pretty much your only two options. Well, there's a story that I shot ages ago um, about crime in DC that just got completely shut down because COVID happened and now this and now it's like needs to be refreshed. So I have to go back to this neighborhood and like you know, reshoot some of it because uh, the other stuff is out of date. So that, so I guess it's sort of, it may have a COVID angle to it, but, um, and then back, I mean, I'm going to be back out in front of the white house. I want to see what's going on. Um, you know, get back in the swing of the protests. I think they're ongoing, obviously they're, I don't think they are ongoing. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, pretty soon we're going to get right back in the swing of election season. Right. You know, I mean, um, campaigns and rallies and, you know, all that fun stuff. So, you know, life moves on, right? Whether we like yeah, it right? or not. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Uh, Travis, anything in your world going on? Uh, just keeping busy uh, and uh, trying to uh, figure out what's next in the in this crazy world of ours. So uh, 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 I would like to always, as I do, express that uh, any viewers or have any questions or, or, or like or dislike uh, or want to see certain uh, topics covered, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear back from you. And uh, Dave will fill you in on all the places to reach us. That's right. Thank you very much. Yeah, go to AroundTheLens.com, find links to all of our social media, in addition to our Patreon page where you can donate to the show, give us a few bucks, stay informed, get all of our stuff early. I'm actually working on a ATL commentary about um, consent and blurring that I've written the script for. I just need to actually record myself speaking. So look for that in the next uh, week or so whenever I get a chance to actually record it. And then uh, a few other things coming down the pipeline. I know Travis, or I'm sorry, Zach is working on uh, something right now. He is trying to you know, really get this movement going to essentially not rely on the NYPD for press passes. That's kind of a big sticking point for him. He doesn't like the fact the NYPD essentially controls access to the press passes. So uh, he's, he's working on something that will probably uh, end up on the website here in the next uh, few days or so. And then, of course, uh, look forward to next week. We actually won't be doing the show on Monday next week. We'll be doing the show on Thursday at... Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern because of uh, you know scheduling and whatnot. So be on the lookout for that episode of the show a little bit later than normal. But of course, I'll put the live link on Facebook so you can uh, you know, sign up for the event and you know, count yourself as interested. So we'll be interested to hear back from Evelyn and everyone else and find out what's going on and uh, what she thought of that Sony gear. 
see if she's uh, become an advocate now. She's going to Kando. I guarantee it. You're going to Kando, Evelyn. You're going to get so won over by Sony. I'm mean, okay. All right. We'll see. I'll report back. That A9 is a great camera. Yeah. Kando's still okay. happening, right? What's no. Kando? No, it's been canceled. Oh, no. Postponed until next year. Oh, sad. But everything's yep. back to yep. normal now. We're everything, right? Everything's back to normal. Yes, in yes. The world's one hundred percent back to normal. There's no more COVID. <laughs> Just twenty thousand cases a day in the United States. But, well, anyways, all right. Well, thank you so much, Rosa. I really appreciate you taking time out to be on the show. You're always welcome back. Stay safe out there in Indonesia, and uh, keep in touch. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, well, for Travis Keys and Evelyn Hochstein, I am David J. Murphy. This has been Around the Lens, episode 229, and we are out. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com.